Hello and welcome to Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's World Cup special podcast series. Throughout the World Cup, we're going to be bringing you guests talking about the World Cup, the matches that they've seen. We're going to be chatting to coaches. We're going to be chatting to players at a grassroots level to see how inspired they're feeling about all the World Cup events. It's all going to be right here on Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's special World Cup podcast series. This week, we're joined by USA-based coach Kelsey McDowell, and Eamon chucks me a grenade of a question that prompts us to look at coach education and how gender bias affects both male and female coaches. Hi, Kelsey. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the pod. Would you like to give us sort of a brief introduction of of who you are, what you do, and, and sort of sum up your coaching philosophy in a couple of words? Um, sure. Yeah. Hi, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Kelsey McDowell. I'm the head coach of the Iowa State Women's Rugby Club um, here in Iowa, obviously. Uh, coaching philosophy is mostly inclusion and uh, teaching the game so everyone enjoys it and, um, yeah, creating a family-like atmosphere in our club. Awesome. And now I think one of the things that, that when we're looking at American rugby or American sporting system, we're hearing different terms about club and and varsity and and collegiate sport can you sort of just explain what the the landscape of american sport and american rugby is for our listeners yeah i can give it a shot um some people might disagree with my perspective on the landscape but that's okay uh so like in america right now we have we're starting to get more and more varsity programs up and off the ground but predominantly we have uh club sports at our colleges and universities uh, is what Iowa State is, which essentially means we have to fundraise and like, you know, kind of get creative with resources being whether it's, you know, finding some field time or getting into a weight room that, you know, anyone can be at. Uh, we don't have funding. And so a lot of the cost falls on our players as well. So it's kind of like operating a small business almost trying to get <laughs> trying to get the resources and whatnot for uh, a club side compared to varsity where they have those allocated resources in the States. I should explain as well that um, here in the UK, we watch college football, college baseball, college, everything, all the, all the all the major sports in America are shown over here in the UK. They are all varsity programs. Um, what Kelsey's talking about is a club program and it's self-funded, run, by, run and administered by the players along with the coaching staff. And um, their resources are significantly less than the programs you see on the TV. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so it's um, rugby. It's not. It's, it's it's still a niche sport, but it's a very popular niche sport. But uh, yeah, resources are a little limited. Sorry, Kelsey. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, so for myself, I'm also a volunteer coach. I actually drive 50 uh, miles to and from to coach. So in the grand scheme of things, it's actually I'm almost paying to coach my team. <laughs> Fair enough. And and what are your players? Have they had much time? Have they encountered rugby before or are they brand new to the sport? What's the sort of makeup of your squad? That is a great question. So I'm also the high performance director for our high school league here in Iowa. So we just we started a high school girls league uh, back in 2012. So we're starting to get some girls with experience, but it's predominantly sevens experience right now because it's easier to feel the sevens team with small schools and whatnot than a 15s team, obviously. So we have kind of, uh, I would say, 70% have never seen the sport coming into it in at Iowa State, but we're starting to see some of the benefits of having it in the high school like generation right now. 
Awesome. And and so what does a, a typical Kelsey training session look like if I was to to rock up and, and want to attend a training session? What would I what would I experience? Uh, it would depend on what time of the season. But if it's like the beginning of the season, we're getting these new kids in first couple of weeks, we're doing really more uh, basic, basic drills, but then going into like really fun games to hopefully like get them more bought in. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, just a quick one as well. Um, who Who would you say? helps you i mean a lot of things we talk about you go on a coaching course or or you you sign up for a coaching course but um who who would you say helps you in your development as a rugby coach would you, you can name names yeah so uh like the last few years Bryn shivers who was uh used to be the u23 uh women's usa women's coach for a number of years um had been mentoring me recently salty Lindsay from the in die from the euro staff um have been really great sounding boards and I've learned a lot from them in the last year of being a part of the program. Uh, starting out, you know, it was kind of in Iowa when we first started the girls league, it was kind of the blind leading the blind as far as coaching. Um, you know, my first year was as a sevens coach and I'm a 15s player. So it was, nice. you know, some experience <laughs> difference. So the reason I asked the question is obviously um, you wouldn't know this, but, but I do travel to America quite a bit. And I'm friends with a number of people you've just said. Um, and I do understand the coach education landscape in America is there, but it's it's very difficult to access due to geography and cost and such. Um, it is important to have people in your life that can help you, that can mentor you. Um, you mentioned ERA, which is the Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Uh, could you explain what that is? Yeah, so it's a pathway um, academy that is right now developing on trying to close the gaps uh, with American rugby and the rest of the world. Uh, so this was our first year of having a girls program and Lindsay Mahoney is the head coach for that. And she, uh, you know, they kind of brought me in to start mentoring me as a coach as well, but also, you know, developing female coaches in the in the United States. That's great. That's great. And I mean it, that that sounds an, an awesome program. Do you think the the benefits are of having a, a female only coaching space, or or would you would you like to sort of would you like it to be an an equal mix? Would you like there to be male coaches within your learning environment, or do you think you've benefited more from having a female only space? So that's a great question. So I think I first of all, I most of my mentors are male coaches because of the lack of females in the space right now. The benefit I do see for our girls is seeing positive female role models um, leading them and they're in charge. So for example, like my uh, coaching staff with my select side team in Iowa, I have a male assistant coach and my girls are seeing a female leadership role with the males following tail and not being, you know, aggravated by it, I guess is the right word to say. So, Kelsey, so a question I have, sorry, Jess, okay, okay. Uh, the question I would ask is just to put geography into context could you tell me roughly your closest and nearest game and yeah. your furthest away game so for, for like for conference play do you mean yeah just just in within your conference and then if you get to a playoff what what does that entail yes so our closest game um is at the university of northern iowa we got lucky because we have another university in state and they are two hours away um <laughs> <laughs> our <laughs> our furthest game would be Wisconsin, which is about a seven-hour drive. All to be funded by yourself, which should not you yes. personally, but the team has to fund that themselves. So right. that that puts into context that um, so our, our, my so at my local club, our nearest opponent is uh, eleven miles away, 
Oh. <laughs> and our furthest is 45 miles away. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, I wanted to get get your view on that because I think it's important that we recognise that, you know, that Americans that American rugby has challenges that simply aren't known to the British public as much as we should know. Um, and they wonder why, well, America, they should take over the world. They've got all the best. That, well, there are hindrances and there are issues. <laughs> yeah, no, that that would be lovely. 45 minutes. I mean, I drive more than that just to coach <laughs> as a volunteer. So. <laughs> 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 wow um that's a, that's a mind-boggling stat which kind of leads us nicely into chatting about the the world cup have you been able to to watch any matches or or see any clips of the tournament so far yes i've been following the usa and then um the last Fijian women's match was awesome so yeah been been watching as much as i can between working and coaching <laughs> And is there is there much hype within your squad about the World Cup? Are they managing to see some clips? Uh, are you engaging with them about it? They all have my Peacock password right now, which is how we watch it. And <laughs> I'm getting notifications. I keep getting notifications that I'm being, being logged into all over, all over right now. So, <laughs> yeah, last night at practice, it was funny because our captains were like, did you guys see all this? And all of a sudden, ping, 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 ping. Your uh, your account's being logged into by a different device. So. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I love that. What what do you think? Obviously, it will have a benefit on your playing squad then being able to see these matches. What do you think the the benefit to to wider American rugby will be? Yeah, I think it's just well, they're coming with more questions, which is great, right? Like even just like there certain th- small things you don't think to cover, like charge downs and like little things like that. Of why was this not a knock on and you know, different questions and hives, but we're also getting a lot of unicorn questions where I have to go back to minute 732. And I'm like, guys, you're overthinking. It was just a missed call. Like it's not, <laughs> so it's, it's good. It's just opening a lot of more dialogue, you know, with the players. And I think the more they see it, the more they get the, especially those girls that haven't played before they're watching it, you know? So uh, it, I, again, <laughs> it sounds like I'm, I'm speaking, I'm just speaking to a British audience, Kelsey. Um, <laughs> American rugby is, is not, unlike here it's not on one particular channel so the major league rugby is shown on its own network peacock is a pay for um subscription service um, a a part of nbc television um and international games can be something on flow sports which is another subscription channel so there's no consolidated way of watching all american games you just have to be across all the platforms and hopefully somebody can let you watch um let you watch the game on their platform um I mean, the interesting question, um, do you live broadcast your games on the net? Um, We take film and then we live broadcast when we're especially far away from family. So when we had to go to New Orleans for Sevens Nationals, we did a live broadcast so they could kind of tune in. Um, 15s wise, we haven't really gone live as much yet just from like the film aspect of in the middle of the season type of a thing. Like we'll share it afterwards or exchange film with other teams, but um live wise it's not i mean yeah. it was interesting to me that that um i have i'm a friend of colton at, at um life university in atlanta and and colton used to tell me that it's part of the league's responsibility that they must film their home game place it onto a network so the other team could the next opponent could watch their game ah, so it's, it's a shared it's a shared program so if all of the 10 teams in the league have to film their game and place it on the on the website. So if you go on the website and you find out, so for instance, Life were playing Clemson the next week, 
the life uh, Clemson's last game would be on that site. And it was part of the league's agreement that every team would film their own game, unedited, unedited, by the way, and Mm -hmm. place it on the website. So that's why I asked the question, because over here, uh, we do sometimes film our games, but it's interesting that, you know, due to the geography geography of our country, people can get, mums and dads can get to games. Right. In the States, they can't. So live streaming games is quite a big deal. And it's quite a normal thing in America. So that's why I asked the question, Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, we definitely do when we're far, further away from parents and all that fun stuff and then have film available for parents to watch, maybe after the fact, if we don't have a signal or something like that. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> we are in Iowa, so having, not having oh, a signal yeah. happens sometimes. <laughs> 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 what do you what do you see as the as the positives in um, the American international game at the moment? Obviously, they're. They're playing in the current World Cup. What do you see as sort of a, a positive coming out of this World Cup that you think will spur American international rugby on? Um, I think like having it on the Peacock Network is nice. It's much more accessible than just being like randomly on a cable channel late at night. Um, it's definitely more available that way. I, I think just like watching the games right now, it's been really fun for the physical aspect and people kind of seeing this contact sport because, you know, half the time here, when someone asks me, oh, you're a rugby coach, they go, is that the one with the sticks? So it's uh... (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little more recognition on even what the sport is. And and what do you see, what do you think could be improved about your your international game at the moment that would bring greater benefit to your coaching? Um. That's a good question. Give me a second on that one. You mean like watching what I'm observing? Like kind of so what? So, so while you're thinking, um, it, Americans at an, at an international level don't get together very often because, again, sometimes it's player funded. Mm. So a lot of players play overseas. So in the USA starting 15 in this last game, I believe it was anything between 11 and 13 played overseas. Yeah. So for, for someone like Kelsey to get coach development from that, she would have to ask access. Yeah. it's very hard to do that but sorry Kelsey do you have an answer now <laughs> no yeah so I mean like mostly watching just watching and I, we do have local access so like Charlie Jacoby has been amazing um giving back and has been to the state and done some clinics with uh different select side stuff so like just the, I think as the more the international players give and then when they do come back and like are hosting those clinics are places where we can keep developing as coaches and players well, you've got me and Jess now on, on your mentoring list. So if, yes. you, if you need any help, if you need anything from us, we can help you. I would so, love that. Go ahead, Jess. I was just I was just wanting to to go back. Obviously, the stories of your playing squad all having access to your peacock stuff and all looking at the matches, I've I found that really fascinating. Um, and it's not too dissimilar from from the players that I coach your pinging stuff on the WhatsApp chat and this happened and this happened. Did you see this? What happened here? And one of my players was watching a an England game, um, or an, I think it was just a general game of rugby a couple of weeks ago, and then sent me like a, about 10 to 15 questions of all the stuff that she wanted answered. And I was like, right, well, I can't answer those immediately, but I <laughs> I promise you that they will all go in a training session and, and we will all hit them. And it and it was great. Do you have any other um funny or inspirational stories that you've encountered along your coaching journey? Oh man, inspirational. Like that's like such a broad term. <laughs> like, yeah, we definitely, we have a lot of kids that have, you know, come in year one and um, gone on. Like I really, 
right now. Uh, one of our players, her name is Courtney Allison Smith Hernandez, or Cash for short, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> her um, She loves it because I tell that to everyone, and she just rolls her eyes. She's going to get a kick out of it being here now. Um, but she started playing as a freshman and, uh, like, had never played rugby before or anything. Um, really put everything into it and was, like, on our Midwest squad, which is, you know, a territorial select side. And, Fantastic. I mean, it's one of those kids that just has grinded her whole life. And, like, with Iowa State, when I joined, it was very – it was more of a party culture, not real serious. And I have a hard time kind of coaching. There's nothing wrong with those teams if people enjoy them, right? But for me, as a competitive coach, had a hard time with it. And she and um, my other captains took the bull by the horns. It's their fifth year now of, like, really, you know – to turning the culture into one of being competitive. And this is the first year we've tracked into the top five rankings for D1 club. So oh, congratulations. So, yeah, I mean, I credit that to them mostly. They're really, really passionate players. That's the correct answer. Oh, it's always about the players. It absolutely is. Well done. No, no, credit to you. You, you, you led them as well. So many congratulations. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I just have one final question, really, which is, is probably a difficult question. Um, so I, I apologize. They've been, you... they've been easy up till now. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you could sum up your, your players, your team, their ethos in, um, normally I'm, I'm like one word, but I'll, I'll be kind and, and give you a two, two words. What would those one to two words be? I know, I apologize. I know it's difficult. Um, cohesion and family. Like we just had a big, you know, team dinner here before our games. Like at my house, they all came down and barbecued, and we're very much uh, cohesion and family. They, they positivity and family. Actually, I'll do that. That's that's our two words. <laughs> which which immediately makes me feel that your environment must be a loving environment because when you say family, I just immediately think of think of love which is um which is an awesome thing to build a build a playing squad around absolutely yep they they welcome everyone in like I said all inclusion all of that fun stuff and you know our seniors welcome the freshmen in and you know take them under their wing and it's like that's what we pride ourselves at Iowa State is um freshmen coming in whether they've played or not they instantly have a support group and because going to college is scary sometimes having that group of women that's going to walk you to your class or something like that it's important yeah Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelsey. You are listening to a womensrugbycoaching.com podcast. If you want to find out more about the only magazine written for women coaches and anyone coaching women's rugby, then go over to womensrugbycoaching.com. Now, back to the podcast. Hey, Eamon, how are you? And uh, did you catch any of the World Cup stuff at the weekend? I did, I did. Uh Firstly, USA finally turned up. That was good. Um, I, I don't know what that was, but the first game just didn't was a, not a true, not a clear reflection of what they could do. Uh, the sec, this game was. Um, um, I thought the Japanese were impressive at times. Um, obviously, the game everyone's talking about is the England France, um, which begs the question: uh, because of the low scoring game, was it a good game because it was tense? Or was it a bad game because it was limited in attack, in the ingenuity? That's the question, I would think. As an England fan, for a second, um, taking all the coaching and the podcast host hats off, uh, it was intense. (laughs) It was not an enjoyable game. Um, There were moments, because we viewed it at the clubhouse, because remember I had the big watch. Yeah, 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 you you said. Um, 
And actually, while we're on that, shout out to my captain of the women's team who we couldn't organize the chef because the chef wasn't in, his schedule was work. So I was like, oh, we'll just pick up a few pastries or whatever. Well, the captain, Ema, she went full mum mode and brought like this whole <laughs> spread. There was croissants. She brought an actual melon and cut a melon. Nice. Fruit salad thing, and she brought actual plates to serve, like platters to serve Fantastic. it all. Up. I just brought a couple of croissants in a bag for from, from the shop down the road, thinking that if was anybody, it. If there's anybody French listening, we apologise. A croissant in a bag. I was like, well, that'll do. She brought like a whole spread of stuff. There were like mini muffins and all sorts. And so, so every time there was like a tense moment, and there were a lot of them, I yes. could just get channel my nervous energy, get up walk around the corner and grab a mini muffin so that that is how I spent watching the match because I was on the edge of my seat I was um it was a real challenge yeah a a real a real physical challenge for both teams I mean it was physical because there were quite a number of injuries on the French side um and at one point I got concerned about the amount of penalties I think in the first quarter England were were given away I was a bit concerned about that um and I I spent most of it in the state of just general tension and anxiety. <laughs> so, uh, terrible about Laura Laura Sansu. Terrible, terrible news about her. Um, um, that happened quite early on in the game with the French scrum half going off. Um, they had a number of injuries, which I guess was down to England's physicality. Um, it was interesting if you remember a couple of weeks ago. I said, um, people like me spend our lives figuring out how we're going to beat other teams mm. um a friend of mine who you know graham um sat down and said how would you beat england and believe it or not that was almost about 85 percent to the way of how we beat england yeah france and it was and it i think this would be brilliant for england i think it'd be a headache for sam middleton but you know there was a number of players who came off that bench who uh i don't think well it's the old question do you fill your bench with players who can change the game or who can maintain the game as it is? And I think they didn't have a change when they come off the bench. It was just a raising of energy levels, but they did the same thing. Well, I I could be pedantic and say that a raise of energy levels is a change in the game. Um, uh, okay, you know, right. um, I But I mean, what was, again, we're being hyper, we can be critical because they won, you know, and and obviously it's it's easy for a Welsh person to, start criticising England, which I don't necessarily want to come across as being that. I think as a rugby person, um, my biggest fear was that France presented a problem that England really didn't solve. I don't think they solved the problem, which is good because it gives them something. To, what you don't want is a team to cruise through. You yeah. want them to think. And I think with, with people like Lee Scarrett and Sarah Hunter, with those senior heads in the room, I think leaving aside the fan side of it, I think from a coach's point of view, this will do them the world of good. I oh, think if I they agree. play France, if they if they play France, um, I think they'll avoid each other in the quarterfinals. They might meet in the semi-final depending on placements. I, I think they could beat them and beat them well with a different game plan and a different way of approach. But that being said, you have to take your hat off to France. They were absolutely magnificent. And and in, and here's the thing, you, you, can, you can not meet your aim but still win. That's a sign of a class team. You know, they still won. Yeah. And I, I, the, look, the worst scenario, coming back to me being an England fan, 
the worst scenario is that they cruise through until the final and they hit New Zealand and New Zealand present them with mental and physical challenges they've not encountered and they hit a stumbling block. Um, yeah. that that's the that's the worst scenario for me. I think the most the most pleasing aspect of it is that there has been a test of their mental resilience. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's not something that you can easily replicate in the matches they've encountered, you know, or in training. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. You know, you can do loads of scenarios and stuff as, as coaches and you can put them into high pressure situations. But World Cup, you know, against France with a test of mental resilience, it's very hard to replicate that in any other environment that that team normally encounter. Which is which is why this was the game that everybody wanted to see. The other game that impressed me was I thought the Black Ferns played well against Wales. I thought they played a style of rugby that, um, I, again, I don't think England have met yet the black fern team that came north um at the end of last year um if you watch the black fern documentary on youtube you'll see that they've gone through some philosophical and personnel sea changes um some of the uh the shoe-ins of the team from last year didn't even make the squad this year there's a complete philosophical change wayne smith has has put together a team that that play fast quick open rugby which is brilliant to watch, but Wales didn't have the firepower to prevent that from happening. Um, but that's okay; they'll learn. Um, uh, I would. I wonder what would happen to New Zealand if they met an England who could prevent that quick ball, mm. who could really challenge the breakdown. That no, that would be interesting. Uh, I think coming back to to mental resilience and preparation, one thing that I like from a Black Ferns preparation perspective is they have trained with. I think it was speakers playing noise from the crowd so they replicated not being able to hear the person next to you um you know and if you're talking about ways to put to test players mental resilience to to work on it to develop it to make it a conversation as a skill just like you talk about your scrum or or your kicking you know or anything else I think that's a really clever way of going about it um I'm a big fan of that I mean it's 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 an old it's an old process. I mean, uh, most international teams would have, um, re- they'd record the referee and his cadence of the lineup and against the scrum. So when they do the scrum cadence, they would play the referee and they feed the ball in with the referees playing in the speaker. So there's there's a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good replication. It puts them under pressure, builds resilience. I think it's building nicely. You can see where the challenges are coming. Um, and I, 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 yeah, it's been a, it was a very, I thought it was a very interesting weekend of rugby. Yeah. So we've talked about mental resilience. I'm. I fear we're about to test mine because you have a question, <laughs> not, and and I don't know what this question is. And so I I am on the spot here. And uh, yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> so, um, I'll ask the question, and then I'll explain why the question was asked, and then I will hand it back to you. It relates to something we discussed about six months ago, which was about having male advocates in the female game. This goes back to um, late last year when we, we talked about <clears throat> Ugo Manya being a huge supporter of women's rugby, Brian Moore, right. that sort of thing. So we talked about having male advocates in the female game. So um, I had a person message me and ask me a question. And the question they asked was, 
do you believe in meritocracy? Do you believe that the best person should get the job? And then he went on to explain this. This person was a county women's coach, male, male county women's coach. Um, he was doing it for a few years and an opportunity came for them to nominate a coach to go and be the regional coach. And he put his name forward for the regional coach and was turned down, but his assistant coach got the role and the role available was assistant coach. So the, the head coach's role wasn't available. So the question that he, he, he asked was, he understood why the female got the role. He did, because you have to present um, opportunities for women to progress and you have to help them grow and develop. And the best up growing opportunity was to work was to leave him and go to work at the regional level and have access to other coaches. The question he asked was, when does that stop? And when do we decide who is the best person to get the job? And I'll say it like this. If at the moment there are there are some male and female coaches in Premier 15s. It's, it's, it's hard to put this across without coming like a whinging man, and that's not what this email was. It wasn't like that. He, he, he understood completely why he wasn't selected. But a number of coaches will go for Premier 15s jobs, paid professional jobs, and will, and will they get it, or will it be gender-influenced? And if that's the case, and here's my question to you, and, I, and again, we're, we're not talking about anything discriminatory here. We're talking about encouraging female coaches. If we are encouraging female coaches to take on female coaching roles within the game, what would stop men doing the same thing in the male coach? That's my question. So if you, you're a huge Leicester Tigers fan. Um, if People you don't know that. That's a massive secret, Eamon. Yeah, yeah. But you... <laughs> You, you were honoured and privileged to attend a training session. I was. This week. And you enjoyed it and you were thrilled to be asked. Mm. And one day, you know, I know it's in your head, you know, you'd love to be qualified enough to put your name in the hat for a coaching role with that. But you should also be able to put your name in the hat for a male coaching position in the male game. So my, so my question would be, if we are encouraging female coaches more, within the game, and especially in the female game, and I get it, is that, would there be a backlash? Now, I, I can answer this, but I'm not going to, because I think it shouldn't come from a man, it should come from a female, that the, it is different, and why yeah, thank, thank you for nominating me. That's, I I really well, appreciate that. <laughs> so Jess, you're, as we said last week, you're a power influencer, the game yes. revolves around our conversations. Uh, we are at the, you know, the, the beating heart of the game, so thank you for for dropping me this this grenade, I I appreciate that. <laughs> there's there's a number of there's there's a number of different things at play. I don't know the male coach or the female coach. I don't know either of their CVs, exactly. their exactly. background, where they come from, and their coaching ethos. So it might be that the who the hiring committee, whoever it was, preferred the female coaching ethos better. She had experiences external to the game that might have differed to the male coach that they just might have thought have brought the advantage. It could be 
that she, in her interview, stood up and, and spoke about different things that affect female athletes that, that don't affect male athletes, periods, premenopause, all those kinds of things that that male coach, he might have mentioned, but often if you don't suffer from it, you're, you're less likely to mention it. So there's probably stuff okay. around male mental health and and prostate cancer and stuff like that that might not be at the forefront of my mind when I'm entering a, a male coaching environment. Um and I'm and I'm doing better at trying to educate myself on on male health issues. Um because they should be talked about just like female health issues should be talked about in relation to the game. So there's all those kinds of things that I don't yeah. I don't know about. Um and and on and can't refer to it so was, what about so the question that the question I think is more to do with from his point of view it's, it's question how, of how does it feel first, how does it feel if you get turned down yeah, yeah it's a question of it's it's a question of positive discrimination and does positive discrimination work and should we use it which is an age an age old question really and and doesn't just apply to rugby it applies to people in boardrooms um you know it, it, it's yeah, it's yeah. everywhere um would I like to get a job promoted purely on the facts because of my gender rather than my skill set no i would prefer to be promoted and given a role for my skill set i i sometimes think and um, about my coaching ethos and i think that my coaching ethos is dismissed at times as being a pink and fluffy ethos that I've arrived at that purely because of my gender and not because that is the most authentic way for me and my players. Yeah. Um, and, and that frustrates me sometimes. Um, would I, you know, I want to be promoted. I think anyone out there wants to be promoted for their skill set um, rather than their gender. Um, there is an issue that I think more people are becoming aware of the gender bias in, in coaching stuff. I regularly refer to um, Professor Sophia Jowett at Loughborough University. She's great. We've featured her infographics on the magazine about, about gender bias, about women in coaching needing to prove their competencies repeatedly, like again and again and again. Um, you can either be likable or a good coach. There's no way of being both. Um, you need to demonstrate more technical and tactical knowledge than your male counterparts. And, and so I think people are aware of that bias and therefore wanting to develop and nurture female coaches more in a, in a way that, and, and I don't have an answer to whether positive discrimination works or not, or whether we should be using it. Yeah. I, I don't, but I think the more people are aware of these issues, I think the more we will see female coaches getting at least uh, equitable promotions so the reason the reason I asked the women's game because I, I I would like to work in the men's game I, I don't you know I um just because I'm a female coach doesn't mean I should only coach in the women's game and just because you're a male coach doesn't mean you should only coach in the men's game we both have skill sets that will be valuable to both um exactly and it's it's the reason I've not I've stayed out of that I didn't interrupt your answer at all is that it touches on several issues that you and I have talked of over the last couple of years. And it's, you mentioned coaching, coach education, you meant progression, you get male, male and female, and it all came up because of that one question. 
which is why I didn't tell you what it was, right? Because if you'd have prepared an answer, it wouldn't have been as passionate or as personal as it was. And I think you answered it brilliantly. I really do. Now, why are we doing it on the podcast? Because just you're, to keep me on my toes, Eamon. Yeah, yeah, but your but your ethos from the start has always been yes, it's framed by the World Cup, but it's got to be about women's issues. It's yeah. got to be about female coaching, and it's about you know not. Yeah. Not saying that men aren't part of the story, yeah, and you'd yeah. be very clear on that, and that, and and that's why I wanted to ask the question on the show, because there are people out there, you know, who are coaching women's rugby, who are men, who are getting more comfortable by the day doing it, but it's been positive. It's been a positive step for them. In fact, I haven't told you this. I did a coaching session for the for this Lincoln back again. I got invited nice. back, and I did it again last night. So um, it's all been good. It's all positive. So good answer, Jess. Well done. Thank you. I think it's just a general thing, isn't it, about diversity within coaching. Um, so actually, I saw a TikTok earlier today and I've and I've stitched the TikTok. It was a, a woman in this country. She'd just come back from like, a, I think it was a spin class or something. And the male gym instructor kept going, ladies, 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 kept calling yeah. them ladies, kept saying that you want you need to get a beach body that's ready for Ibiza. You, you need to have a flat flat stomach during this, you'll have a flat stomach. And she was like, but I, I'm not ladies, I am a Hulk. And and what makes you think that this beach body isn't already a beach body that isn't just ready to go? Um, and, and, I, and I stitched it and I was like, well, this is the a real perfect example of why we need more coach education, more education within the sporting industry and a greater increase of diversity because we've increased diversity that and increased our education then, then male or female coaches aren't going to be making these missteps within whatever environment they're coaching in but it comes right. down to greater than that we we have some criticisms i think sometimes leveled at us that our game is quite boring um or can be quite boring or or can or needs to be quickened or and don't get me on the scrum stuff don't take the scrum out of the game because i love it <laughs> um, but i think Often it's, oh, it's just one side playing each other and it gets quite dull. It's, it's quite boring. We can predict what's happening. Whether you agree or disagree with that, you know, it doesn't really matter. If you want to see different matches, different games, different scenarios, then you need to increase the diversity of your coaches because different people bring different ideas in. Correct. Um, yeah. Male, Correct. female, uh, you know, LGBT. Don't, don't take my silence as disagreement. My silence you know, is agreement. Uh, different diverse or ethnic backgrounds different religions different beliefs all of those if you chuck them in a grand rugby melting pot you will generate different ideas and they will be exciting than yep. to just have like the same people in the same room i agree so they, so with regards to future developments and growing the game sometimes we we always think we have to make the game better i always say that you know you want to make the game better sure do you know what's the most popular game in the world chess hasn't changed for 10,000 years it's fine <laughs> it's doing fine do your audience yeah. your audience is important you know you don't have to change everything no just, just develop it slightly and you're fine good answer well done <laughs> I passed the test <laughs> <laughs>